John chapter 11. <clears throat> May be a surprising text for you, since you uh, did stand a moment ago, I won't have you stand again. I will read verses 18 through 27. <clears throat> John 11, 18 through 27. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Let's pray. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you that we indeed serve a risen Savior. As our voices have just shouted for joy over the fact that Christ arose, I pray that you'd help these truths that are probably well known by most in this congregation, if not all, but that these truths would set in our hearts, that Father believers would be encouraged, <clears throat> would see beyond even the empty tomb. And if there be any here who have yet to come by faith to believe that Jesus is the Christ, that you would open up their hearts, that they would be brought from death unto life, and this day would be a day of rejoicing for them and that this would be the day of their salvation. Thank you for the opportunity to study the word of God, and we commit it to you in Christ's name. Amen. I ask the question as I start today, what is the real significance of this day? I'd like you to think about that. What is the real significance of this day? It seems like I have raised a rather strange question, especially for Christians. Isn't it obvious? We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate our future hope in the resurrection. We celebrate, as has been accurately conveyed already this morning, the most significant event 
in all of Christianity, right? Yes. But is that it? Is that all we celebrate? Around the world today, already starting yesterday in some parts of the world, many believe that Jesus Christ arose. Many believe in a future resurrection for themselves. And many are involved in celebrating that. And yet I would propose to you that still within those many, many will end up in hell. Some take this simply as a holiday, time out of work. Others have to work because of their circumstances. But they take it as just another holiday. To some, probably should say many, the resurrection and the concept of it and the implications of it is nothing more than a myth. Something that, quote unquote, Christians have to hold on to. Few see the person. True believers should. Still fewer, even as believers, do we see what this day truly should mean. So let me take us on a little journey, a little different from my normal Resurrection Sunday message. Let me go back to the unpleasant death. Why start there? Because of history, because of reality. Death has been around since Adam and Eve. It goes all the way back to the fall of man in the garden. Though created in the image and likeness of God, though given specific instructions, man was disobedient, <coughs> which led to sin. That's what it is. And by the way, don't ever give up on praying for our chaplains. One little side trip. Whether you're aware of it, in this nation right now, there is a chaplain who has temporarily lost his job and is on the shelf as possibly being unable to continue as a chaplain because in the course of counseling, he called homosexuality sin. And he has been removed from the chaplaincy, waiting till the, all the evidence is put in and his case. We are in a different day and age, folks. So, since sin, disobedience to God came in, we know from scripture that by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Death comes into the world and from the time of Adam until our day today and still into the future beyond today, should the Lord allow that time, all die. You will not be an exception. Neither will I. Men have tried to prevent death and deal with death all the time. Doctors commit their lives to attending to people and they can prolong it, they can treat disease, they can do whatever, but they cannot stop death. Science, no matter what it does, cannot 
prevent death. They cannot, with all of their intelligence, with all of their research, never have, never will, moving into the future, raise anyone from the dead. They can't do it. Money, fame, conditions of the world, geographic location, ethnic background will not prevent death. It is coming. It is here. And so we know the reality of that. And man, in a general way, searches, even the atheist, searches, is there a God or is there no God? And he desires to know that. He wants to know the meaning of life. Why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going? And I think that's the reality of life, that we understand that death is here and it's inescapable. We want to know, all men, women, boys and girls, want to know why we're here. Is there really God? Is there really life after death? There's a talk about it, but is it real? Is there really life after death? Man approaches it differently. We have a conscience built into us by God, by the way. And our conscience begins to deal with us. And it's interesting that even the atheist, uh, probably a good, good illustration that even an atheist teaching in a school, and is demonstrated with one of the Christian films that are out right now, will not let a person cheat on an exam and get an A. Why? Because of standards. Now, if you're an atheist, you don't believe there's any standards anyway. There should be no morality, so it's okay to cheat on an exam and get an A. But, interesting, man has a conscience, man uses his intellect, which he should, and studies. Man also, those that can see, look around and observe the world that we live in, and we exercise our intelligence, and we exercise our observation, and we exercise our conscience, and with that, try to the best of our ability to search out these questions. One of the results of that, <clears throat> excuse me, I am fighting my voice, and it's not going to win. I will win, by God's grace. One of the interesting things that results is religion, activity, religious services, denominations around the world, long before we ever got here, with sacrificial systems, basically bottom lines to appeal, to appease God, to try to approach him, or through its search to try to ultimately say that there is no God, so to deny him. And man searches through that. God's approach, on the other hand, notice we start with that, is to not only create, but to reveal. To reveal himself and his purpose and his plan. And so we have creation. And man still searches that to try to determine whether it was God or whether it was chance, to boil it right down to everything else. God gives creation so we can observe 
so he can discover. He sends his son into the world as a vivid visual display of God in the flesh to demonstrate his love. And in addition to creation, in addition to his word, I'm sorry, in addition to his word made flesh, which is Jesus Christ, he gives to us his written revelation to tell us things that we could no otherwise discover for ourselves, not vaguely, but with absolute statement and authority in the word of God to tell us who he is, who we are, where we are going, and how we can get there. And man's cry, I think, still today and throughout the centuries, if I have been fair enough in what I have already presented, man's cry over all the years has been consistent. Let me see with my eyes. Let somebody see someone come back from the dead. I don't know why that's doing that. Someone come back from the dead, and then I will believe. That's all I want. Turn with me, please, to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. In this story, I want you to see something. Have we gone away from that question? Why and what is the significance of this day? No, we will come back. In Luke chapter 16, we have a situation. Some refer to this as a parable. Some refer to this as a real situation. My purpose today is not to debate that with you. The reality is we have it revealed in the word of God. We have the story of two people that died. And in the story, excuse me, that is before us, two people die. One ends up in hell. The other ends up in Abraham's bosom. Are they still alive? You judge for yourself, beginning in verse 22. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. So you get two people that died and have left this world. Now watch this. In Hades, or in hell, he lifted up his eyes, that's consciousness, being in torment, that's suffering, and saw awareness. Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to see, excuse me, so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am in agony in this flame. Here is a man who has died, finds himself in hell to his surprise, finds himself in torment, not thinking he would ever get here, and is begging for mercy after death. Someone else in Abraham's bosom. Watch. Verse 25. But Abraham said, child, remember, during your life, you received your good things, and likewise, Lazarus, bad things. He had a tough life. But now he's being comforted, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us 
and you, there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over here to you will not be able and that none may cross over from there to us. By the way, that absolutely throws purgatory into the ocean. Okay? But now watch. This man and this man's intelligence knew enough being a person who had experienced life that he had the same question that I just raised and he had the same objective. He began to at least realize I'm in trouble, however, watch. And he said, then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. Why? For I have five brothers. They were still alive. In order that they may warn them, excuse me, that he may warn them, so that they will not come to this place of torment. He's saying, Father, send them back to earth. Let someone return from the dead. They certainly will believe. That's all they need. That's all the evidence. I don't want them to find out what I didn't believe is true. What's God's response? Through Abraham, he says, but Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Is that true? Verse 31. But he said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And so man has researched, uses intelligence, he's used his observation, and it's no different from what we find today. Show me the evidence. Just send someone back from the dead. Then I will gladly bow down. I will believe in Christianity. I want you to notice something here. People say if they just see, they will believe. Okay? Men have had the witness and still have not believed. When Jesus Christ rose from the grave, 500 at one time saw him. The soldiers knew what happened. The Jewish leaders knew what happened. Lazarus himself, in the context that we had started with this morning, he was so dead and had been there four days that he stunk. We understand that. They knew he was dead. And the simple word of God calls him forth, and they saw him unwrap the clothing. And further on, they sit down and eat with him. And they all believed, right? Wrong. Some of those very voices shortly thereafter are the ones that called out and said, crucify him. Crucify him. We don't want this man among us. You see, friends, the issue is not lack of information. It is not lack of revelation for anyone in this room. The issue is rejection of the revelation. The issue is man does not want it. Amen. 
The issue is lack of faith in what God has said. It is not that they don't know. Their own conscience bears them witness. Their own search for intelligence and lack of answers bears them witness. Their own observation of springtime bears them witness. Fine, Pastor Dan, but what has all of that got to do with this day and us today? And especially to believers when we talk about this day. I mean, we believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I hope you do. We believe there's songs like that. That we serve a risen Savior. We just sang it. We believe he's alive. We believe he's coming again. And we believe that we will rise and be with him forever. That's great. And we do. But what has that got to do with just the significance of the day? Isn't that it? Turn with me back to John 11. In John chapter 11, because I don't want you to miss this. This is not new revelation, by the way, Pastor Dan talking, just so you know that. But many of you know me, and it's the challenges that I give to my own heart about what is the significance of the day, and, and what is this? Is, is that it? Is it just that Jesus rose? Is it just that I live with him? Not that that's not significant. Well, in our text... There's no question that Lazarus was dead. If you look at verse 14 of chapter 11, Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Case dismissed. I got the message. If you look at verse 17, so when Jesus came, he found that he had already been dead in the tomb. How long? Four days. No wonder they said he's been dead four days. He stinks. It doesn't take that long for decay to get in there. And I want you to catch this. Martha believed that Jesus had power with God. Look at verse 22. When he comes to Lazarus, he gets there. And Martha and Mary, Martha's the one talking at this stage. And she said, Jesus, if you had come, he wouldn't have died. But I know that whatever you ask of God, she at least knew he had power but because he said, God will give it to you. I want you to catch this. The Lord says in verse 24 to her, or he says to her, uh, she says again, after the resurrection, Jesus says in verse 23, your brother will rise again. Did she believe that? Yes. How do we know? It says so where? In verse 24. Watch. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again. When? In the resurrection. When? On the last day. Did she believe in the resurrection? Yeah. Did she believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? She did. Could she relate that? No. What do you mean, Pastor Dan? She believed in a future resurrection, and I would say to you that as believers, first of all, let me address that. 
If you're a true believer, you believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and you believe that you're going to rise. But did you catch what the Lord said to her? It was real. But it's not where Martha needed to be. It's not where we need to be if we walk away today and we say Christ is risen and I am going to rise in the future. Martha, you're missing it. What are you talking about? Look at verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. What is the point? She wanted, she needed to see that, yes, this isn't the resurrection of Jesus, but she needed to see who he was. She needed to understand that the one you're talking to is God, very God, the author of life. I am the one who gives life. She, he's about to raise her brother. Not because he's just given some power, but it's the person. We come to this day and aren't just celebrating someone that came forth from a grave. We are celebrating our Savior and who it is we've trusted. He is the resurrection and the life. Look in chapter 10 of the same book, verses 17 and 18. In 17 and 18, he says, For this reason the Father loves me. Watch. Because I laid down my life. That's the crucifixion, Good Friday, and everything to do with it. Why? So that I may take it again. No one's taking it away from me. You say, but the Jews crucified him. Yes. But the Romans crucified him. Yes. Ultimately, my sin crucified him. Yes. But the bottom line is, he died, and that's the essence of what we talked about Friday night. The real cup that he bore was the willing laying down of his life as the sin sacrifice to bear the weight and penalty of our sin. But watch. He says, he lays it down that he might take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down of my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. How is that possible? Go back to chapter 5 of John. Chapter 5. And verse 21. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so, watch, the Son also gives life to whom he wishes. Verse 26. For just as the Father has life in himself, even so he gave the Son also to have life in himself. No wonder in chapter 11 he says, Martha, I am the resurrection. Don't look at a resurrection. I am the resurrection. He is alive, yes. He's risen from the dead, yes. But my friend, he is the only one who has power over death. He is the only one that can bring life, both physically and spiritually, to anybody. 
He is the Messiah, which is what she finally catches. Because back in chapter 11, go back there. If you look at verse 27, he says, do you believe this? What? That he who believes in me, there's the faith. That person will never die. He'll have life now and life for all eternity. And the one who is dead, if he believes in me, he will rise. Why? Because I'm the life. I am the resurrection. And she catches it in verse 27. And he says to her, she says to him, yes, Lord, I believe what? You are the Messiah. You're the anointed one. You're the Christ. That's the point. The son of God, even he who comes into the world. In other words, most missed it. Martha at first missed it. Let me give it to you very plainly. The disciples missed it over and over again. What are you talking about, Pastor Dan? They're on the, they're on the water. A storm comes. They're petrified. They don't realize who Jesus is in relationship to their life now. What's going to happen? Peace, be still. And the storm's gone. Who is this man? They're hungry. Feed them. Where are we going to get the loaves? Where are we going to get the fishes? Where's the supermarkets? I am the bread of life. Feed them. They couldn't relate the one that they were walking with, the one that they believed on, to their circumstances in everyday life, and neither could Martha. Martha was seeing, she believed in a future resurrection. She believed, but she couldn't relate even the person that was in front of her to her own circumstances at the moment. When disease came, he healed them. When demons came, his disciples couldn't cast him out. He did. When he even came to Christ's death, his disciples were still cutting people's ears off, Peter specifically, and trying to prevent it rather than understand. Some saw him as a good teacher. That's where people settle today. Some see him as a good leader. Some people settle there today. Some people see him as a good man. Martha finally got it. Why do we come to this day? I read the passage in Matthew and purposely didn't go there for this part of the message. Here's the angel sitting down. He says, Why is, what, are you, what are you doing? Well, I, I came to see Jesus. Didn't he say he was going to rise from the dead? Why do you seek the dead? He's alive. He's not here. Go tell his disciples. Why? He's the resurrection and the life. Do we celebrate this day? Do we celebrate this occasion as the resurrection of Christ and that he's alive? Yes. That he's the first fruits, 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Yes. Do we celebrate this day and have the hope that in the future we will rise as well? Yes. But friends, if that's all we get out of the celebration of this day, even we as believers miss the boat. 
Why? Don't just celebrate the day. Celebrate the person. We have the one true Savior. We belong to the only one that God sent into the world. He rose because of who he is. He rose because he's God Almighty God, and he's the one that's going to rise us from the grave. He's the one that wants us to apply it to our life now so that we don't just have a celebration today and go our way. And when we face the trials of life, when we face the difficulties that come, we can't associate the future. All we think about is like her. Oh, I know in the last day we'll rise. But how does Jesus' life affect us now? How does it affect us now? He's active in our life right now. If you've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, you have been raised from death unto life now. He is the true Savior, the only Savior sent by God, and that should affect everything that we do now. Our joys, our job, our home life, our church life. This isn't just the resurrection of Jesus, and now he's just waiting in heaven. And yeah, someday I'll rise. This is a savior that we celebrate his resurrection because he's the resurrection and the life and he gave me life and he's my savior and he loves me now. He will never forsake me, neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor power, nor things to come, nor things that are can separate me from the love that's in Jesus Christ and I am to walk in his power now. So we don't just rejoice and celebrate history today. We celebrate a person. We celebrate a relationship. We celebrate the fact that I truly am a Christian. And the difference between a true Christian and a non-Christian is that people have observed, they have used their intellect, they've used their conscience, and they have decided I still don't have enough evidence. I don't believe in that. Or I believe in there's really no effect. We ought to live by his power and walk by his power now. No wonder. Turn with me to Philippians just for a moment. Philippians chapter 3. I'm talking to believers. Don't let this just be a one year, one day a year occasion. We celebrate an event, yes, but more than that, it's the person. Who have we trusted for salvation? The one who's the way, the truth, and the life. Who have we trusted for salvation? The bread of life. Who have we trusted for salvation? The one who is the resurrection and the life. Not just brings about a resurrection. He is. He is the life. He is the truth. He is the only one sent of God. He's the one who's my savior. He's the one who is my life. No wonder you have in Philippians chapter 3. Verse 10, I think it is. Nope. Yeah? Oh, I'm in chapter 2, sorry. It is chapter 3, verse 10. Thank you. Here you have Paul saying he hasn't attained to what he really wants to be yet, verse 12. But in verse 10 he says this, that I might know him. He's talking about a believer. And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. 
He knew he was going to rise. He wanted that power, that resurrected power, the life of Christ working in him, evident right now. What I'm saying to you is as a believer, as a Christian, celebrate the day, yes, but celebrate the Savior that you belong to. And let his life affect you every day now, at home, at work, in your singing, in your giving. It will change your whole outlook. It will change God's power in your life. He didn't just save you to let you go away and to wait for a future resurrection. He saved you so that you would be a written epistle read of all men of one that belongs to the Savior. And we celebrate this day. Why? Because it confirms, Pastor Chris already referred to it this morning. Go to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 for a moment. And verse 4. It is the resurrection. It is what we celebrate. That is the evidence that yes, I've trusted the right person. It isn't religion that's going to get me to God. It isn't anything I can do. My observation will show me I'll always fall short. My intelligence will tell me that I don't know it all. My observation will tell me that I can't escape death. My observation will tell me I have to look to God. And his answer is Jesus Christ. And in chapter 1 of Romans, verse 4, it says, Who, go back to verse 3, concerning his son, who was born of the descent of David, that's Jesus Christ, according to the flesh, he came in the flesh, who was declared the Son of God, how? With power by the resurrection from the dead. That's what we're celebrating. According to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the resurrection confirmed it. The resurrection confirmed everything that God has said. He rose and so too shall we rise. But he doesn't want us to wait. He wants us to live according to the book of 1 Corinthians and according to the book of Romans. He wants us to live according to righteousness by the power of the one that saved us. And his resurrection should stimulate us to the person. This is a relationship. It's growing in our love for him because he first loved us. It's understanding that love in the everyday workings, even when there's suffering, even when there's trials, that we can trust him and we know that we're in good hands with him. Fellow believer, celebrate this day. Celebrate the resurrection. We got a lot to rejoice about. But rejoice more than just the day or the holiday or the occasion and rejoice in the fact that you know the one true living God. Your Savior is the only Savior. The only one who could take you, who could take me from death and bring us to life. The only one that can take us physically, <coughs> excuse me, out of the grave and into his very presence for all eternity. The only one who could change us so that we are a new creation in Christ. Our Savior is who we celebrate. The one who came out of the grave, not just the event. And if you're here today and haven't trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, turn with me please to Ephesians chapter 2.
So it's fine. Meet with family. Enjoy the meals. Enjoy the eggs, even if they're red, yellow, blue, or whatever color they might be. But that's not the point. Enjoy the day, but rejoice in the Savior that we belong to. Rejoice in living for him. He's brought us from death into life, from darkness to light, and has given us the hope in him. What about those who haven't trusted? Ephesians chapter 2 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. In which, writing to believers now, looking back, it says in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived, what, in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. I refer to people who haven't trusted in Christ, not because there's a TV program or anything like that about it, this congregation knows it, but as the walking dead. Because in this world, there are many who are alive physically. And you know what? They're searching at the beginning of my message. They know death's real. They have a conscience. They have eyes to observe. They have intelligence in their striving. And they want to know. And it isn't because they don't have enough information. It's because they refuse to believe. God's given his revelation. God sent his son. God's shown it visually. Don't be like that man who finds himself in hell and says, I heard, I heard, and I didn't listen. Because God's message was the same. They have Moses and the prophets. They have the word of God. They have all the information they need. But they refuse to believe it. And the only one that can rise a person right now from the dead is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he's the author of life. And if you haven't trusted in him, I'm going to tell you again, there is no other savior. He's the only one that God sent. In my lifetime, I've experienced it in my family. I've experienced it in this church and outside of this church and been involved in many a funeral. Listen, folks, visually for a second. Not just with your eyes, with your mind. You know a dead person. There's no breath. There's no response. And spiritually, that's where men are. How can I possibly... I've preached at many funerals. There isn't a one funeral I've ever preached at where the person has come out of the casket or come back and all of the remains from the cremation came together and they walked away. Because I can't raise a dead person, neither can you. The only one who can is the resurrection and the life. And the only one that can open your eyes and the only one sent by God out of his love, for God so loved the world that he gave, free gift, his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ came into the world, died on the cross, rose the third day, all according to the scriptures, and he is the way to God in the only way.
It is narrow. But the only way you can be brought from death unto life is to trust in him. And if you trust in him, you will no longer be a dead man walking. You will be a live demonstration of the grace of God, alive unto God. And though you might die physically, you will live forever. And you will come out of the grave resurrected to be in the presence of God. This is a great day. It's a confirmation to the world, the visual aid, the confirmation as recorded in the word of God that we celebrate a person. We celebrate a great savior, the only savior. Trust in him today if you haven't. Then you will truly understand what Resurrection Sunday is about. Fellow believer, celebrate the day in your future resurrection, but don't miss the boat. Celebrate the person and walk with him now. The disciples so often miss that. Martha at first missed it and couldn't relate to her circumstance who was before her. Not totally, until he spoke to her. A lot of Christians are waiting for the return of Christ and have nothing going on with their relationship with Christ. We celebrate the person, walk with him, and live for the glory of God. Have a great Savior. It's a great day. Rejoice, we serve a risen Savior. Serve him well. Let's pray. Father in God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for a tremendous day to celebrate a tremendous occasion. But Father, help us to look beyond just an empty tomb. Help us to look beyond the celebration of just a day. And help us to rejoice in Christ our Savior. Help us to rejoice in the person that came forth who is the author and giver of life who is the resurrection and the life. And help us, we pray as Paul did, that we might know him and that we might walk by the power of his resurrection, being conformed to him day in and day out. That's the heart cry of every believer, and I pray that you'd help us to walk from this room rejoicing in him. And for anyone, young or old, that is not yet trusted in Christ, help them to be honest with their own conscience, with their own intelligence. The information's there. Help them not to reject it, but to believe on the one that you sent, the Lord Jesus Christ, who suffered and died and satisfied your righteousness and has risen from the grave. And today might it be the day that they are brought from death unto life right here in the pew. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All yours.